Evening, church. Jacob, he was the boss of the company. But coming towards his retiring age, he's not at the office that much anymore. But still, from time to time, he still checks up on the company. And he's here today, sitting at the very seat of honor, at the very end of the meeting table. And he looks at his staff, his sons, who he entrusted this company to. And he starts to speak. So how has the company been doing? Anticipating what they will say, slowly, one by one, they all say, it, it's good, it, it, it's been good, yeah, yeah, it's good. The answer was unanimous. But then Jacob says, really? Really? And already we could see his sons and his staff members started to break out in a little cold sweat. Really? It's been going good. That's why you have three to four hours lunch break every single day. And for the whole of last week, you guys didn't even rock up to work. So how is the company going good? And at this, the staff members are shocked and they look at his dad, their dad, their boss. They knew they were going to be in for this one. They knew they were going to not come out unscratched. They knew they were in for it and they're bracing themselves. But at the same time, they are wondering... He's not meant to know. No one's supposed to know, especially dad. What happens on our mini break stays on our mini break. They smell a rat. And they're trying to explain themselves to dad. Dad, I don't want excuses. While they're getting in trouble, they're still wondering. Now who on earth told? Who told? And as they were looking around the table, they see little Joe smirking in his rainbow suit. Ah, so he's the stool pigeon. Now, if you don't know what a stool pigeon is, it's an old English word of someone providing information of someone else's wrongdoing. And this is where our story starts, in a dysfunctional family. But before we dig further into this family story, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you send your Holy Spirit tonight. Remind us of what we tend to forget and also teach us something new tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Genesis 37. Today we'll be camping around that passage. Genesis 37. Now this is a famous Bible story, very famous. If you grew up... At church, like CNAF did, when he came in at 10, he would have went to Sunday school. And a lot of Sunday school teachers will teach the story, the story of Joseph. And, and again, it's, it's, it's about this, this snitch. And you know what happens to snitches? They get stitches. Not, not the other saying. They get stitches. And so this guy, he dogs on his brothers and he gets wrecked for it. He comes from a little dysfunctional family. And, and, and when I first heard this story for the first time when I was younger, growing up in Sunday school, I thought this was a good idea. <laughs> I wanted to trade my siblings in for some Pokemon cards. You think I'm joking? That was so true. Like I really wanted to trade them in and, and sell them off. Because I thought this was a good idea because I was the eldest. Now the Bible, so if you're there, 
Genesis 37. So I feel we have all of Genesis 37 up. The Bible introduces to us a young Joseph. He's about 17 years old in this passage. And who is he? He's the second youngest son of Jacob. Now verse 2, it states that one day Joseph brought to his father, his boss, a bad report about his brothers. Bad report. Now, if you were growing up, growing up in the Sunday school scene, you would always think that Joseph, there was nothing wrong with him. He, he was good all along and he just had really mean brothers who wanted to sell him off. But that's not true. Because in the Bible, everybody's a bad guy except for one guy and that was Jesus Christ. Now, let me show you how bad Joseph was. So it says he brought a bad report about his brothers. Now, you might be thinking, what's wrong about that? So like if someone says to me, Pastor Dexter, can you keep a secret? I'm like, yeah, I'm a pastor. Of course I keep a secret. And then they say, I just murdered someone. Can you keep a secret? I'm going to tell the cops. <laughs> so you don't tell me that you murdered someone. Now, was it a, was it a bad thing that I told the cops? No, this is, this is it's, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. So if it was just a bad report, it wouldn't have been wrong for Joseph to tell his dad, hey, my brothers, they've been slacking off. They, they're not doing their work. So it would have been nothing wrong. But you don't get this in the English because in the Hebrew, when you look at the word bad report, nearly everywhere that this word is used, it's in a sense of a false report. So in verse 2, you could pretty much read it as Joseph brought a slandering report or a false report about his brothers to his dad. So in other words, he lied. He, he's not only a dibber-dobber, but he exaggerated the story. He pretty much set his brothers up and he pretty much framed them. Have anybody here been framed before? Everybody here, just a few of you? Oh man, you guys live a very peaceful life. I have two little American cousins. Well, they're not American. They're Vietnamese, but living in America. <laughs> but when they came over here for a holiday, Daniel was the older one and little Derek was the younger one. And I saw how devious this little Derek was. I saw the fallen humanity displayed on this little toddler. And he always bullied his older brother who was so meek and gentle. Now, one day, I remember we bought them Nerf guns, two, two each, exactly the same. But then Derek came to his older brother, Daniel, I want your gun. And Daniel's kind of gently saying, but you have your own gun. Well, why don't we play together? Like, you have your own gun. Let's, let's. And the next moment, he, this little Derek, he runs to his mum and he's crying and he's saying, Daniel hit me, Daniel hit me. And then the mum runs in and just... Daniel, auntie, if you're listening to this, you need to chill out sometime. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not fair for, for Daniel because I saw this all happen. I didn't do nothing. I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Have this ever happened to you being framed? And when your siblings framed you of something, something, don't you just start hating them? Now, I have three younger siblings, and they know exactly how you feel because I'm the one framing them. <laughs> I'm the one setting them up. Now, Jacob, verse 3. Now, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of, our, of his other sons. 
and made him a richly ornament robe. Now, that this is a formula for a dysfunctional family is when parents show favoritism, and he's doing it here so bluntly. He makes this kid, Joseph, a, a, a garment, and many commentators say this would be long sleeve. It would be a long sleeve robe. Now, what's the big deal about that? Because back in those days, if you're wearing long sleeve, you're not dressed for work. So he's pretty much saying, like, this is my favor. This is my love. And you know what? You are exempt from the hard labor that your brothers are doing. His brothers would have been herding. His brothers would have been farming, agriculture, whatever. But, but it's like today, like, you don't see people in suits welding or, or doing, you know, bricklaying or anything. You, you might see some of those, uh, maybe, but... They're not, he's not dressed for the occasion. He's exempt from work. This was his father's symbol of love towards him and favor towards Joseph. He was the favorite. And so when the brothers saw this, naturally they hated him even more. You would too if your dad or if your parents favored your siblings. Let's say they got a Louis Vuitton handbag and you got a 50 cents Woolies bag. They bought your brother Yeezys and you got Crocs. Of course you'd be jelly. They got an iPhone and you got a Samson. Oh, oh, I just lost half the crowd here. <laughs> so the brothers hated Joseph already of the bad report. And, and of this unusual favoritism started feeling more. But what made matters worse was that Joseph had a dream and he started telling his siblings like Martin Luther King, I have a dream that one day you will all bow down to me. Oh boy, if my younger siblings ever said that to me, I would smack them into place. Even if it risks me getting in trouble. In verse 8, as a result of that, it says the brothers hated him even more. What happens? Joseph has another dream. And then he goes and he says, you know, hate is going to hate. And he goes right back at them and he tells them again, hey, I had another dream that even this time our parents were bowing down to me. And also you lot was also bowing down to me. So what does this tell us about Joseph? He's crazy. He's He's nuts. He's becoming an arrogant young man. And even here, the Bible says his father rebukes him. And remember, the father adores this kid. But here he still rebukes his son. This guy has become egotistic and he's become a spoiled brat. The story continues. Breakneck speed now. Story continues where the brothers are working. He's exempt from work and he's staying at home. And, but then the father says, hey, can you go check on your brothers? Because I don't trust them. Can you go check on them? And so Joseph goes out in search for his brothers, trying to look for them at this place. But he finds no one and he's just so lost until a random stranger sees him and says, hey, who are you looking for? And he's saying, oh, there's 11 of them. They're in a group. Uh, where have they been? And the stranger tells him, oh, oh they've went to Dotham. So instead of working here, they were at somewhere else. And so he travels to that city of Dotham to search for his brothers. Now Joseph, he's walking to that place. And then off a far distance, it says a far distance, 
his brothers notice that's Joseph. Why? He's wearing that rainbow-colored suit of his. From already a distance, they could smell that rat. And what the brothers did was, they said, the Bible says they plotted to kill him. Let's kill him. One of the brothers must have said this. Let's kill him. And shocked because he, what, that actually slipped out. And, but he's more shocked when he looks around. He's seeing the other brothers are nodding their head. And it's like, yeah, yeah, let's kill him. Let's kill him. And so they start devising a plan to kill this master of dreams. Let's kill our brother. Now that sends shiver down my spine. Yeah, I understand bullying your sibling a bit, like giving them wedgies until their undies rip. True story. I've lost count of how many times or how many numbers of undies that I ripped from my brother because I wedged. He's twice my size, but I lost count. I understand of trolling your siblings a little bit. Every time my little sisters would come to me and ask, hey, Dexter, can you help us with some homework, especially spelling? Let's say... For example, a word like respect, instead of saying R-S-E. R-S-P-E-C-T. You know what I would say? You know what I would tell them? It's, this is how you spell respect. R-A-C-Q. That's it. You trust me. And they trust me. And they fail their homework. Understand trolling your siblings a bit. I understand sometimes siblings can be a little bit mean to each other. But here we have siblings wanting to kill their own brother. Not just saying it, but actually really meaning it. Now that's next level. That, that sends shiver down my spine. But however, there was one, the oldest brother, Benjamin, he... He had some sense into him and he said, hey, 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 don't kill our brother. Just don't kill him. Just trying to save his life now. And he's trying to think, oh, why don't we sell him? If we kill him, we get nothing. But if we sell him, we get a little bit of pocket money to do whatever we want. Verse 23. So this is what happens. When Joseph came, they stripped him of his robes and they threw him down in a cistern. Now people read past 23 a lot. Again, you don't get this in the English, but in the Greek, I'm just going to describe three words to you. And it's, it's very violent language here. The word used for stripped, stripped, is often used when they would skin animals alive. Now how they treated that robe, they hated that robe. That robe that represents the love of Jacob, the favor of Jacob, that Joseph gets to be exempt from all the work and they had to do all the hard work. This robe that they could spot from miles away, they ripped it up to shreds. It would have, Joseph would have been stripped naked very quickly. And also that word for through, in that verse, verse 23, often it's used for dumping of dead bodies in a, in a grave. So here as they threw Joseph, they threw him in like a corpse. Now in the context of him being alive, it's pretty much being buried alive. And to him being thrown like that, to them, Joseph was already a dead man. 
an assistant. You might not know what a cistern is, but it's pretty much something that holds water. Right now it's empty. It could be three to seven meters deep. Three to seven meters deep. Have you ever jumped seven meters off somewhere? Probably break your leg. As Joseph comes to greet his brothers, what he sees on their face was frowns. But he's used to it. He knows he's hated in the family. He knew that they never said a kind word to him. So he's just coming because dad ordered him to. But as he comes and he walks closer, he feels something's a bit off. He looks in their eyes. There is a hint of killing intent. With uneasiness, he tries to step back. But before he could step back, they seized him. And before he could say anything else, there was fists being thrown at his face, at his stomach, getting the wind knocked out of him. And he says, can you imagine that scene? It's like, stop, I'm, I'm going to tell dad, but the beating would just increase. And they're ripping off his clothes now. And they are dragging him towards this hole that's seven to, three to seven meters deep. And he looks at that hole and he's like, oh, no, 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 guys, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then they just threw him down like a dead corpse. So imagine being thrown seven meters down. Now, he's not going to get out of this unscratched. We don't know if he's broken any bones or at least things would be dislocated. And he's in pain. And he looks up towards his brother out of this hole. Now, this is a horrendous act that has just happened. Did his siblings feel bad about this? Look at verse 25. Look how the siblings responded. The siblings just started eating. Did they feel bad? No. In a way, when they were eating, this is almost like them celebrating. They started hearing Joseph begging, guys, guys, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can you get me out of here? Benjamin, Judah, anyone, I'm hurt, I'm in agony. Can you help me? How did I know that Joseph begged? Because in Genesis 42, verse 21, in the future, when the brothers recount, recount this event, they said, Surely we are being punished because of our brother Joseph. We saw how distressed he was and how he pleaded for his life, but we would not listen to him. Joseph is down in the ditch, and all he could hear was laughter. And they continue eating. Hey, Simeon, can you pass us the salt? Hey, Zebulun, can I have a sip of your bubble tea? Joseph was already a dead man to them. Ultimately, what happens is Joseph gets sold for some silver and he ends up a slave in Egypt. And the brother then kills a goat and then drizzles its blood all over the ripped robe to make it seem like a freak of an accident that some animal has got Joseph and mauled him to death. And this comes to the end of Genesis chapter 37. Now, I don't have time to go through the whole story of Joseph with you guys. I can only introduce him to you guys. The story from Genesis 37 to 50. Now, there is a happy ending if you're willing to go home and read it and pick up your Bible and read it. If you don't have a Bible, you can read online for now, but come and talk to me. Our church will gladly give you a Bible. So this story of Joseph, there is a happy ending. The, the whole family get reunited and all. It's a nice story. But what does this story have to do with us? I could easily say, like Shayla Lebeloff, 
said, don't let your dreams be dreams. Just do it. Like, no one can crush the dreams that God gives you. For example, I can draw out of this passage how the brothers had no clue what they were doing. They thought that they could destroy the dreams by destroying the dreamer, but they could not have fathomed that by doing the very things that they did, they helped fulfill the dreams of the dreamer. And you could say, oh, this, this story is about me fulfilling my dreams that God's given me. And if people who doubt me, I can say to them, you don't know me. I could, because what happens is he ends up, in, Joseph, he ends up in a pitch. He ends up in a prison, but he also ends up in a palace where pretty much he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. Congratulations, ScoMo, if you're ever listening on tuning into Ocos podcast. But Joseph pretty much becomes the right-hand man of Pharaoh, the king. And years later on, his dreams do get fulfilled because his brothers do bow down to him. So is this story about you fulfilling the dreams that you have? Maybe. Or I could say the story is about when you're having it tough and rough, you can stick it out. It gets better. It's, I could sing to you, everything's going to be all right. Rock-a-bye, rock-a-bye. That's so off tune, but. <laughs> you know, the story of Joseph is not only God preserving Joseph. It's not about, if you view yourself as Joseph, it's not only about us surviving a ditch nor is it teaching about us weathering the storm, how we can cope with lessons and, and learn from it in hard situations. Look, it's wonderfully that, but I think there's so much more to the story of Joseph. Here's what happened. 20 year, 22 years down the track, the brothers, they all meet up again. They could not recognize Joseph until Joseph reveals himself to them. And then they kind of get scared. And pretty much Joseph says to his brother in his brothers, look, you guys sold me to Egypt, but don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourself that you sold me to Egypt for God has sent me before you to preserve life. Look at Genesis 47 verse 7. It's to save your life. So in other words, you know, you guys didn't send me off to Egypt. God did. And why God sent me, it's to save your life. Everything is good for a few years, but then what happens in Genesis 50 is the brothers start thinking again, oh man, oh man, this is not good. Joseph, he's going to take revenge on us. He's not going to forgive us. Why? Because our father's now dead. Maybe he didn't kill us because our dad's still here, but now our dad's Jacob, he's gone. He's, is he going to kill us? But then look at verse, chapter 50, verse 19 to 20. Joseph once again reassure his brothers, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intend to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now done. The saving of many lives. 
So then, what is this story of Joseph teaching us? What is it telling us? I'll tell you what it's about. It's about God providing a means to rescue sinners. Church, this story foreshadows another story. How God sends a savior to suffer and die to save many. What we have from Genesis 37 to 50 is a presentation of a foreshadowing of the real Messiah, of the real Savior, of the real Savior of sins, of Jesus. Now let me point out to you the similarities that they have between Joseph and Jesus. Here's a few. They were both beloved sons of their father. They were both sent by their father on a mission. They both came and searched for their brothers. They both were rejected by their own, both hated by their own. Joseph's brothers conspired to kill Joseph. The Jewish leaders conspired to kill Jesus. They were both sold and betrayed for silver. They were both stripped of their clothes, of their dignity. But here's a few differences. Joseph was thrown in a cistern. But Jesus went to the grave and ended up in a deeper, darker place. Joseph cried out and begged for his life for someone to help him. But when Jesus went to the cross, he was like a lamb to the slaughter. Instead of begging for his own life, you know who he's begging for? He's begging for the very souls of his enemy. He says, Father, forgive them for they did not know what they are doing. Joseph is a master of dreams. But Jesus, he is the master of everything else. Joseph later becomes the right-hand man of Pharaoh. And so his brothers all bow down to him. Jesus sits at the right hand of God. And he is God. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Joseph saved his brother. He saved a few nations from a seven-year famine. But Jesus, he saves all nations. And he makes us into his brothers and sisters. He makes us and adopts in us into his family. And he doesn't just save for seven years. No, he saves our soul for all eternity. With the robe that Jacob made for Joseph was a symbol of favor and of love to Joseph. But with Christ, he says to his enemies, to you and I, here is my robe. You wear it. Let the Father's face smile on you. Let the Father's face turn towards you. Let you have the favor of God. Let you experience the love of God. You wear my robe. Jesus is the one that clothes us in his righteousness. Joseph's robe was soaked in goat's blood. But now the robe that we wear is soaked in the blood of the Lamb. Now, in light of all what I've just said, if we were to choose a character who we can relate with, it's not so much Joseph. 
It's the brothers. We are the perpetrators. And Jesus is the Joseph. Jesus is our Joseph. And Jesus, he is the better Joseph. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus chose to forgive us, giving up his life to save many, including you and I. So tonight, as we move now and gear up towards Holy Communion, may we remember exactly what Jesus has done for us. God bless you, church.